0: Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, innovative vaccine manufacturing enables the delivery of vaccines to the developing world. I'm Brady Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish, and joining me today is Dr. Alex Chatel. Dr. Chatel is the product manager for viral applications at Universe Cells, working on the development of their fixed bed bioreactors technology and integrated downstream processing platform. Prior to this, he has held positions as an Enterprise Fellow and in Technology Transfer at University College London and as a Research Engineer at GlaxoSmithKline. Dr. Chatel earned his PhD in Biochemical Engineering from University College London and his Masters in Chemical Engineering from the University of Manchester. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing vaccine manufacturing today?
1: Okay, so um, so the main challenge with um, well, essentially viral vaccines today is essentially the capacity. So um, the capacity uh, so that the, um, the supply um, is too low compared to, to what's needed. Uh, and this is mainly driven by the, uh, the cost at which vaccines are um, purchased uh which is mainly driven by the sort of big uh sort of consortiums that that have a, uh, an impact on the on the purchase price of vaccines which means that it's it's difficult to um to remain competitive uh, in in the production cost of vaccines so that's one thing the the other one um which is sort of uh linked to this is that the current technologies uh used to produce vaccines tend to be outdated And that leads to uh, to a number of problems. So first of all, it's expensive uh, from a uh, sort of capex capital expenditure perspective. It's also expensive to run, so opex um, operating expenditures. But it's also um, sort of more complicated from a number of uh, point of view, such as, um, for instance, uh, the requirement for a large number of manual operations means that uh, it leads to potential safety risks because of uh, what well, number of manual operations means that there there's a, an, a sort of an equivalent number of risks of uh, contamination uh, to the batch. So that's also the issue. And um, so the consequence is that uh, the costs uh, of production of vaccines uh, remain uh, sort of at the current level unless a sort of uh, massive step change in the way vaccines are being manufactured is, is implemented. So that is the, uh, the biggest challenge that we see today.
0: And to follow along with that, I wanted to ask, why is it difficult to manufacture and then distribute these vaccines to the developing world? Because I know that it's a different challenge to deliver these to the developing world.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so the problems that I've mentioned, so actually they don't apply just to the developing world, they apply to, to the, to the whole, uh, to the whole world. Uh, but what's specific to the developing world, uh, is, is the distribution and, and, and more specifically would be the cold chain is what I would say. So maintaining the product stability over the long distances and, and times, uh, during which the, the vaccine bills are going to travel is, is key to maintaining uh, to maintaining the, the efficacy uh, of the product. So, so this is one of the difficulties. So there's um linked to this, there's an interest in sort of developing uh, what we call stable formulations. Um, so to, to ensure the stability of the product over the time and over the, the, the trajectory that the vaccine dose is gonna travel up until the destination uh, sort of patient. So so I think this is probably the the, the biggest challenge faced, um, sort of, uh, or the biggest difficulty um, for distribution in the developing world. Uh, Another one that I see is is sort of a side effect, but it's the uh, administration of vaccines, uh, which is uh, typically, at least in in a number of cases, which is uh, quite important, using syringes and needles in the management of uh, these syringes and needles post-use uh, can be a challenge. So the the needles can effectively become a source of diseases they are not correctly, correctly handled. You know, say, for instance, if you're looking at a vaccination using uh, using a needle and you'd be sort of be injecting a vaccine in, into a patient and if this patient happened to have uh, a disease, you know, for example, like AIDS, uh, then this needle could become a source of contamination of AIDS, uh, of HIV, I should say, uh, for um, you know, for for anyone who who might accidentally get pricked by, by the needle within the, the time span that the virus would still be alive.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And then you have developed a technology, Scale X technology. Um and I'm wondering if you could explain how this technology helps to enable vaccines delivered worldwide.
1: Most uh well, viral vaccines are produced using adherent cells um adherent cells that can have a number of origin they can be um well typically of uh, mammalian origin for for human vaccines and what these cells need is is a sort of a point of anchorage onto which they can uh, they can attach and grow uh, to be to be sort of healthy to then be used um, as sort of uh, vehicles for the viruses to replicate, and then and then that we can collect to make the vaccine Those. So these cells need, like I said, a, a support matrix, which um, currently and existing technologies is addressed by either the support matrix in in suspension suspension within a traditional bioreactor. Like uh, what we call microcarriers, or using what we call static technologies, where you have sort of layers of plastic uh, onto which the cells can grow. And what Scaleless does is essentially use the uh, sort of advantages that directors provide, such as precise environmental control. So, by this we mean temperature, uh, pH, DO, sampling, uh, for instance, with the uh, sort of gentle growth environment that the static technologies provide. What we do is we've essentially inserted a a material uh, a support matrix which is really tightly packed inside a vessel, onto which the cells can grow, and through which um, the nutrients and uh, gases required for cell health can be circulated at an appropriate flow rate, under very gentle agitation condition in order to provide a a good environment for the cells to grow uh, to really high cell densities. Um and what's key in this is that we're able to do this in a in uh, a in a very small volume of equipment, which implies a very small footprint um so what we have is a really high density of area per Unit volume of equipment, which means that you don't need much space to to operate and to install this uh, this piece of equipment, which ultimately has an impact on the uh, facility design and utilization, which means that, say, in instances of uh, new facilities, the uh, capital expenditure required to uh, produce. And the number of vaccine doses is much, much smaller than if you were to use traditional technologies, which require a lot more space, but also, um, you know, everything linked to uh, to this, which would be uh, environmental monitoring of the rooms, uh, ventilation, um, as well as the personnel used uh, to to operate these these equipment. The other advantage, really, for scalex is that because it's so compact and it's fully automated, the um, sort of the number of operations required to run. The system is a lot smaller than in traditional systems, and and like I said before, uh, the number of operations needs to be reduced because with you know an increasing number of manual operations, you increase the risk of of mishandling, of contamination. So by drastically reducing these, you essentially de-risking uh, your your production and de-risking the risk of anything going wrong. It's also a lot a lot less costly simply because if you have less people required to run uh, a system, then you know this is operating costs that you can that you can save on. The other feature, which is uh, which is nice in what was developed, is that uh, so it's been developed for scalability, so scale up as opposed to scale out. So what we can do is do sort of you know your initial process development work at small scale, and um, sort of readily scale up to large production scale with uh, a very low risk. Um, so and and this is done by sort of clever design of the uh, sort of uh, geometries as well as the sort of fluidic environment in such a way that we can ensure that the what the cells um, experience at small scale will be exactly the same as what they experience at large scale. And and what we have done here is sort of use the... Um, the, the so because the cells would be uh, sort of fixed on a support matrix and the, the, the media which is used to grow the cells would be circulated through this matrix, so what we've done is we produced that dynamic... Uh, so through dynamic environment at small scale and at large scale to be exactly the same in such a way that uh, when you when you decide to go up to your production you know exactly what's going to happen, how well, how well your cells are going to grow and uh, and under what condition you need, uh, you need them to you need to put them in, uh, in order for them to behave like uh, like you've studied them at, at the small scale.
0: That's really interesting. Have you been able to demonstrate the success of the platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to date we've got you know uh hundreds of experiments with well especially our sort of first case study here was the uh, production of polio vaccine using uh, zero cells, which are uh, mammalian cells. So it's uh the the vaccine is uh SADBIN SIPV, so it's a type of polio vaccine. Uh it's a project that was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, foundation. And uh yeah, so we've we've done hundreds of experiments um at different scales, we've been successful at uh not only uh, sort of improving the, um, the the sort of proving that the cells do grow well in our system. They grow to much higher densities than what's sort of commercially available nowadays, uh, but also um, produce in such a way that uh, um, that sort of makes the downstream processing, so the purification of of the virus, much easier. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a whole process improvement, not just uh, sort of cell culture and and, and viral production. So uh, currently, the the status of this work now is that we're uh, sort of with our partner um, in in sort of process development located in the Netherlands. We're scaling up our work, which up to date has been done um, at the uh, sort of R&D and and pilot scale, up up to the full production scale. And uh, so, what we aim for is to be able to produce our first lot of uh, clinical material. And then um, I think it's worth mentioning, so this is the bulk of our work with polio because this is sort of what was our first goal. But we've also started gathering sort of a wealth of experience with uh, other cell lines and and, uh, and other viruses um, in, in the viral vaccine field, but also in the field of uh, gene therapy.
0: That sounds really exciting, could you tell me a little bit more about the work that you mentioned with the Gates Foundation and how that technology and this this polio vaccine that you talked about how will that be deployed in the developing world?
1: Sure yeah, so maybe, maybe I can start by explaining a bit more about the uh, sort of the gates foundation uh, work and then i'll I'll see how you know I'll your second question about how this is uh, this is um uh, this this could be uh, this will be deployed in the developing world. So um, the work with the Gates Foundation is based on uh, the the, um, the sort of focus on the Bill and the Gates Foundation being one of the priority is uh, the eradication of polio from from the planet. Um, And to help achieve these goals, so what the Gates Foundation uh, has done is uh, developed uh, sort of funding programs um, to to achieve these goals. Um, And there are many programs available, but one of their programs is sort of aimed at developing uh, what we call disruptive technologies, uh, disruptive manufacturing technologies. Like I said before, this is um, this is what we're trying to do here. It's by sort of bringing this, this new technology, essentially driving down the cost of uh, manufacturing of vaccines so much that it actually becomes um, sort of commercially interesting, again, for many companies to develop these vaccines and to commercialize them and, and to produce them in such a way that the, the current supply gap can be filled um, and, and there will be enough uh, doses of vaccines of polio, but also of any other vaccines that, you know, that, that will be of interest, uh, to reach the, uh, the the vaccination targets and eventually to reach eradication of these diseases in the, in the near future. Uh, so I think it's worth saying, so we sort of won this grant with the Gates Foundation back in 2016. And then our goal is um, sort of to be able to, to produce uh, seven uh, uh, polio vaccines, so SIPV, um, at large scale um, by the end of this year and, and, and the first quarter of 2020. So this is, this is really the goal uh, on the, the ambition of the work um, with the Gates Foundation, which uh, we've, um, we've, we've met um, all, all the milestones so far. And then to answer your question about um, how do we envision this being employed in the developing world. So, uh, so one of the key features of uh, our Scalex platform is that, so it's an upstream, um, sort of seven, uh, uh, polio vaccine, so SIPV, um, at large scale, um, by the end of this year and, and, and the first quarter of 2020. So this is, this is really the goal, uh, on the, the ambition of the work, um, with the Gate Foundation, which, uh, we've with, um, with, with met um, all, all the milestones so far. And then to answer your question about um, how do we envision this being employed in the developing world? So uh, so one of the key features of uh, our ScaleX platform is that, so it's an upstream um, cell culture and fire production platform. But what we can do is integrate this platform into another product which we've developed, which is called Neverline. And Neverline is a fully integrated, uh, what we call, micro facility, which essentially looks not only at uh, cell culture, the production of cell culture, and, and then the viral material, but also the whole purification. Um, so we're looking at uh, the primary purification, where you know you'd be filtering in impurities. We're looking at the fine purification using chromatography, where we capture the, uh, the viral antigens, and then we're also looking at inactivation. So. All of these steps contain within a very sort of small footprint, a very small piece of equipment, small compared to what you would do if you were to use an alternative technologies using stepwise processes. And this drastic reduction in uh, footprints, but also the, the uh, sort of large automation of all these steps, means uh, that this system can be readily uh, sort of installed and developed uh, in, in countries where, uh, there might not be the existing infrastructure like you would have in in, uh, in sort of developed countries for for pharmaceutical production uh, because simply it 's easy to use it 's a lot cheaper than than using alternative technology so One thing that's important to say is that the main barrier to entry for many developing countries that want to enter this vaccine production field is that uh, the costs associated with building a a pharmaceutical plant are, you know, eye-watering. They're really expensive, and this is a massive barrier to entry, this initial capex. And what we do with our system is we drastically reduce this capex in such a way that um that these countries can now consider producing their own vaccines as opposed to purchasing them to maybe sort of you know large pharma companies in, in developed countries at high prices. So that's one thing. And the other one, the equipment uh, and the system, the platform being small and easy to use, also enables uh these countries to 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 start producing themselves.
0: Great. Well, thank you for that explanation. That sounds really interesting and I I really appreciate your time explaining what's going on in the world of vaccines. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to add for our listeners?
1: Uh, Well, I think maybe if I could just conclude. So um, I guess... One of the cool things about this technology is it's it's really sort of a um, well what we what we think is it's really a sort of a step change in which viral vaccines are manufactured and and will be manufactured in the future, which means that it will change the uh, the dynamics of the of the vaccines uh, production market in the future, in such a way that well, I think that our platform uh, once once fully implemented um, will mean that the way vaccines are manufactured and produced and supplied will be completely different um in the near future to what we've been you know used to since the sort of you know the true development of industrial vaccines you know in the fifties and then and then and then you know with more modern technologies in the eighties. So I think we're facing sort of a you know a, I guess we could call in the industrial revolution on, on the scale of, of this particular topic, um, which means that the dynamics are gonna change and uh and really um that ultimately what what's gonna be the, the main benefit is that the you know eradication targets um, for the world well and for the diseases will be uh, more easily met using, you know, advances like the ones that we're working on.
0: Yes, it's really exciting to see some new and innovative uh, technologies in this area. Um, I think it's, it's needed. And, and of course, as you mentioned, to meet the, the goals uh, for, for vaccination worldwide, it, it's a really important step forward. So, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.